Good morning, all. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to all our listeners around the world. Logged on to QMZRadio.com and JanoRadio.com. Of course, I have to say good morning to my studio audience, courtesy of Clubhouse. Thank you all for being here. Remember, tomorrow we're live on Future FM 98.9 in the Bronx, Westchester, and Mount Vernon. It is Wednesday, June 8th, and yes, the days are going by pretty quickly. Hashtag WCW Woman Crush Wednesdays. Of course, today you're only going to be hearing songs from women and today's wcw artist is tony braxton and that's by request of one of our listeners online so of course you know how we do we try to please our audience thank you for joining me for coffee until world news on the go every monday through friday starting at 9 a.m to 12 p.m eastern where i read the news and we share our views don't forget to follow me on twitter at me media moments and on ig at moments with me media also you can find us on youtube moments with me media that's the name of the channel so you know subscribe and stay abreast and turn on your notifications so you know when a video is uploaded and here are the headlines we have coming up for you today in international news cameroon soldiers killed nine villages government admits israel wants complete control of palestinian land united nations report is saying in news out of north america matthew mcconaughey tells the story of those killed in uvalde in emotional plea for action on guns uvalde teacher who lost 11 children in his classroom says there is no excuse for officers delay in taking down gunmen two loaded weapons found on campus of parkland charter school belonging to principal florida mother charged with manslaughter after her two-year-old son fatally shot his father u.s woman accused of leading all female isil unit pleads guilty black of family of black man killed by police agrees to a three million dollar settlement suspect arrested after video shows woman being thrown off a bronx subway platform onto the tracks worker shortage forces summer camps to trim or cancel all programs Republican Texas lawmaker seeks to ban minors from attending drag shows. In business and tech news, Coles puts up a for sale sign. Biden is considering canceling some student debt. Here's why it might not be such a great idea. Goodyear recalls more than 170,000 tires. In health and science news, researchers find new drug that could help patients treat breast cancer. More than 82 million COVID-19 vaccine doses have been tossed out. Prescription cannabis products with more than THC may ease, with more THC rather, may ease chronic pain. At least a little, studies have found. Sports News, Simone Bowles and others seek $1 billion plus from FBI over Nassar. In the Caribbean corner, six members of the Haitian Special Olympic soccer contingent are missing according to florida authorities cayman airways could soon be adding new west coast routes guyanese woman handed a three-year sentence for fake rape claims and extortion jamaica eyes republic status by next general election and the reggae boys beat suriname 3-1 in nations league our in my opinion segment comes out of jamaica cutting crime a citizen's role in Latin America, American woman dies after butt lift surgery in the Dominican Republic. 
childhood friend of in killing of the Dominican Republic minister confessed to priest. Believe it or not, Arizona man drowns in lake after three police officers allegedly refused to jump in to save him. I'm not jumping in after you. Pro-choice activists stripped down at Joel Austin church service. In entertainment news, new Mark Cuban company slashes high drug prices, life-changing. And in an exclusive, Adam Sandler lives up to Queen Latifah's work husband expectations in new Netflix film. And those are the stories we have for today. We'll be right back with the details after this music break. Today is hashtag WCW Woman Crush Wednesday. And our artist for today is Tony Braxton. Enjoy.
Thank you to all our listeners logged on to QMZRadio.com, JanoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse. Of course, this is where the conversation happens. I'm Moments with me, and you're listening to Coffee in Tow, world news on the go every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. You just heard Tony Braxton, How Could an Angel Break My Heart? Her voice is so soothing. I could listen to her all day and now it's time for the details and of course we're starting off with international news cameroon soldiers killed nine villages government admits and this story comes to us courtesy of al jazeera a group of soldiers have killed nine villages including an 18 month old girl in a manifestly disproportionate and hasty response to a confrontation in northwest cameroon the government has said the four soldiers were searching for a missing comrade in the village of Misong when they came across a group of angry villagers at night, the defense ministry said in a statement on Tuesday. In an inappropriate reaction, unsuited to the circumstances, and manifestly disproportionate to the hostile villagers' refusal to cooperate, the soldiers, in a hasty reaction of self-protection, used their weapons, the statement said. The victims were four men, four women, and the infant. A one-year-old child was lightly injured and taken to hospital. The statement was an unusual admission of blame by the army, which civilians and rights groups have accused of numerous killings and abuses during an ongoing separatist conflict. Cameroon's northwest region is one of two English-speaking regions where secessionist fighters protesting perceived marginalization by the French-speaking majority have been battling government troops since 2016. Israel wants complete control of Palestinian land, and this is according to a United Nations report courtesy of Al Jazeera. An independent commission of inquiry set up by the UN Human Rights Council after the 2021 Israeli assault on the besieged Gaza Strip said Israel must do more than end the occupation of land that Palestinian leaders want for a future state. Ending the occupation alone will not be sufficient, according to the report released on Tuesday, urging that additional action be taken to ensure the equal enjoyment of human rights for Palestinians. The report cites evidence that Israel has no intention of ending the occupation. Israel is pursuing complete control over what the report calls the occupied Palestinian territory, including East Jerusalem, which was taken by Israel in a 1967 war and later annexed in a move never recognized by the international community. The Israeli government, the commission said, has been acting to alter the de- demography through the maintenance of a repressive environment for Palestinians and a favorable environment for Israeli settlers. Citing an, an Israeli law denying naturalization to Palestinians married to Israeli citizens, the report accuses Israel of affording different civil status, rights, and legal protection for Palestine citizens of Israel. As I'm reading the story, I'm remembering... I can't tell you exactly where in the Bible, but I know I've read it. Here's the thing, folks. In that side of the world, um, Israel, Palestine, that whole area, they're forever going to be at war, at odds ends. It is written in scripture. So I guess um, if we 
definitely say yes something is true yeah that is true and it has been going on forever and it's going to go on until the end of time so i have to remind myself not to get too wrapped up in what's going on over there in palestine and israel and all of those countries that i i call the bible belt of um the middle east and north africa yeah i i try not to get too wrapped up in it because it's ordained it's sad but it does say that they will forever be at odds with each other. Why? I don't know. I have to go back and find that scripture again. And I'll let you know why it said that. But I remember reading it a couple years ago. All right. And now we're going to head into stories out of North America. That's it for international news. Not too much going on over there in the world except for Russia, Ukraine. And we, we're just waiting for that to, to end. You know, I'm not holding my breath because um, as the U.S. continues to fund the Ukraine, um, we don't know when it's going to end. So we're just going to hear one day, hopefully soon. Stories out of North America. And I'm going to start this one off with the um, speech from Matthew. Oops, if I can just pull it back up here. When you have your fingers going all over the place, right? Um, yeah, I'm going to start off with this news report from Matthew McConaughey voice to the fight for gun reform after Matthew McConaughey was in Washington today calling on Congress to take action. Matthew McConaughey visited the White House Tuesday. We need responsible gun ownership. Responsible gun ownership. We need background checks. We need to raise the minimum age to purchase an AR-15 rifle to 21. The actor delivered strong remarks about gun violence. Responsible gun owners are fed up with the Second Amendment being abused and hijacked by some deranged individuals. These regulations are not a step back. They're a step forward for a civil society and, and the Second Amendment. The Oscar winner visited with lawmakers following the school shooting in the actor's hometown of Uvalde, Texas. How can these families continue to honor these deaths by keeping the dreams of these children and teachers alive. Again, how can a loss of these lives matter? McConaughey referred to a pair of green converse on his wife Camilla's lap. They belong to a nine-year-old Uvalde victim, Maite Rodriguez, who drew a heart on them. On her feet, that turned out to be the only clear evidence that could identify her after the shooting. The actor hopes this particular shooting will finally bring about some change. Responsible parties in this debate seem to at least be committed to sitting down and having a real conversation about a new and improved path forward. A path that can bring us closer together and make us safer as a country. A path that can actually get something done this time. McConaughey also met with members of the Senate on gun legislation that's now under consideration. And Democrats say they're encouraged by these ongoing talks with Republicans that so far have included upgrades to school security and strengthening mental health services. So that um, clip came to us courtesy of WSVN News out of Miami. Um, there, CNN, um, I went to them for a report as well. Um, and something that was very disturbing for me. And I, when I read it, I remembered what DJ Naturalist said um, shortly when we shortly after the incident happened and we were having a discussion here in coffee until that probably we need to see these bodies they need to 
show people in Congress these bodies so they can have an idea of what really happens. Those Converse sneakers that Matthew McConaughey was referring to were the only thing that they could use to identify the child. The only thing. They spoke about the effects of an AR-15 rifle on an adult. McConaughey said, or McConaughey, however he pronounces his name right now, please forgive me, due to the exceptionally large exit wounds of an AR-15 rifle, most of the bodies were so mutilated that only DNA test or the green converse could identify them. Many children were left not only dead, but hollow. So yes, counselors are going to be needed in Uvalde for a long time. We got to take a sober, humble, and honest look in the mirror and rebrand ourselves based on what we truly value. We got to get some real courage and honor our immortal obligations instead of our party affiliations. Enough with the counter-punching. Enough with the invalidation of the other side. Let's come to the common table that represents the American people. Find a middle ground, the place where most of us Americans live anyway, especially on this issue. Because I promise you, America, you and me, are we're not as divided as we're being told we are. I have to agree with you, naturalist. They... Congress needs to see the pictures of these bodies for them to understand. Probably the entire country, those who are in support of upholding the refusal to make these changes, they need to be aware of what these bodies look like. Imagine a child, 10-year-old, riddled you can't even identify them Uvalde teacher who lost 11 children in his classroom says there is no excuse for officers delay in taking down a gunman Arnulfo Reyes can't forgive law enforcement for taking more than an hour to stop a gunman who killed 11 fourth graders in his Texas elementary school classroom and 10 other people in the next room, he told ABC. Ray is a teacher who was shot twice during the May 24 massacre at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, recalled the horror that unfolded in his room and an adjoining room. In interviews, he spoke on um, that aired on Monday and Tuesday about his mounting anger toward law enforcement responders after everything i get more angry because i had nothing for protection such as a bulletproof vest reyes told abc's amy roback in a segment broadcast on good morning america you're supposed to protect and serve there is no excuse for their actions and i will never forgive them in the article which is very long he did mention that he had to say to his students, pretend to be dead. Lie down and pretend to be dead.
two loaded weapons found on campus of Parkland Charter School belonging to a principal, and this comes to us courtesy of WSVN out of Parkland, Florida. Officials found some loaded firearms on a school campus, and they said they belonged to the principal. Two loaded guns were found on the campus of Somerset Academy, a charter school in Parkland, on Thursday. They were found inside a bag that was left unattended inside the school located on 8401 North University Drive. The guns were found by a Broward Sheriff's Office school resource officer. After being secured, they were turned over to detectives. Investigators determined that the weapons belonged to the school's principal, Gaylor Castro. When parents were told who those weapons belonged to, they were shocked. Nathaniel Stowbridge was a security guard at Olson Middle School in Dana Beach. He was fired on August 2018 for having a gun in his locked car on campus. The Army veteran lost his job of 24 years, and according to his attorney, he lost his reputation. He was originally charged with a felony. Back at Somerset Academy, according to BSO, at no point did any students come into contact with the guns. The state attorney's office will now determine if charges will be filed against Castro, telling the children not to bring these types of things onto campus, so she should be the model, said Matthews. It took more than 24 hours for the academy to alert parents. Can I say I blame her for having them there? No. Because with everything that's been going on, she's probably scared out of her wits and says, you know something, let me have these here. Should in case something happens. Hi. I, hello? Yes, O'Neill. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I mean... My only concern is that they were left unattended. Um, I, I I believe that. So I and I've heard somebody spoke a couple of days ago. I don't remember who said that there's a lobby for teachers to have guns. Um, you know, initially it sounds kind of like you know why are they trying to arm teachers? Yeah, they're gonna sell more guns because if the NRA can. Um, every single teacher in the United States of America, that's a lot of guns that they're going to be selling. But on the flip side of it, it doesn't need to be AR-15 rifles. I mean, if you know anything about guns, it could be a nice, neat Glock Taros 14, you know, something that they can slip in their handbags. But when I, I watched the clip with the, the teacher that lost 11 students, and honestly, I was like, Potentially, if he had a gun, he could have been able to take out this this person. Obviously, the police, obviously, they're not putting... I mean, it's impossible for America to explain sending over $40 billion <laughs> to help Ukraine, mm -hmm. but not protect the citizens of the United States in a school. I, 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 can't, see the, I can't see it. I can't understand it. You know? But... I wouldn't blame her for having them. I would just say she just needed to have been more careful in terms of having them, you know, not leaving them carelessly anywhere. That's my, my take. I yield. And I agree with you on that, O'Neill. You know what I would love, O'Neill? For these policymakers to sit down and give us a good reason for their hesitancy, their neglect, their, their um, defiance, their... Everything, everything, everything. Go right ahead. Go right ahead. Yeah, uh, I don't blame her for having them. At this point, everybody's scared. And um, 
need to protect themselves. Um, what I thought, think about the other day is that I don't even think arming the teachers is even a good idea because what happens when the teachers start flip out too? And your student lock up, your kid lock up in the class with the t this this teacher that having a mental breakdown. Um, when I look at um, the high school kids, them here, these kids are bad, and I I don't know. With dealing with some of these kids, the way they 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 out of hand, I I I don't ever trust the teachers with a gun, you know because. They are human beings too, so they would do wrong too. So I, I don't even think that's a good idea. No one look at that side of it. They just look at the teachers having the gun to protect. But the teachers, they can be dangerous themselves too. So yeah. so let me ask you, hold on one second, Annie. Let me ask you a question, Andre. Andre, sorry. What is the solution in the schools? What would you propose? <laughs> um, For the schools... Boy, as much as I don't want it, single entrance with 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 um emergency exit, uh metal detectors. I mean, we just have to do those things, uh, you know, just protect the schools as much as possible. <laughs> Make it like a prison as much as possible until we get something done with the gun policy. You know, we have to put something in place until we get something done with the gun policy because passing any laws with this gun thing is is going to take a while it's not going to be an overnight thing it's going to be a, a a fight amongst not just the politicians but you know the people who really have the second amendment misconstrued isn't it mm -hmm. so it, it, it you know so make the school a prison but the teachers with the gun I, I don't even trust these teachers. I don't trust nobody right now. Anybody at this point, whatever going on in them life, they can flip. And when they have a weapon, I don't know what the hell they would do. So I'm not putting my trust in them either. Just like all the police to protect and didn't go in, I don't know what the hell these teachers would do either. That's just my take. Right. I'm mean, not trust nobody. With no gun with my child, <laughs> other than me. Okay, thank you, Dre. Thank you so much. Go ahead, Nastra. Good morning. Grand Rising. Um, my perspective is that we need education. That's I, I feel like education and training and creating safe spaces, um, like emotional intelligence training, and then um, training on how to what are the proper protocols in using a firearm um, to educate people out of their fear because there's been a lot of fear movements and that's moving out of fear will always cause more chaos so i would rather have these teachers train how to one ground into their emotional in emotions to have emotional check-ins with these teachers having them set up like um if, if they are in the classroom having them locked in a particular manner where you're still able to get to it but you would still have to put in a little bit of effort um and really it's just big on education and training is the big thing that i wanted to push forward um because we can't keep moving in fear we can't keep moving like this is not an issue and um let's say these are what 
you know the lawmakers are deciding to do at least we can take the initiative to make sure that they're in emotionally stable and then not to treat our policies based off of people who are sick and base it off of people who are in sound mind and what are the protocols to make sure that person who is in sound mind is protected whereas like if you know like you know mentally checking in with teachers like are you stressed out what is going on what are the coping mechanisms that we are providing for these teachers because they're overworked and underpaid and I feel like it's important for us as a community to make sure we are protecting teachers too because while we're out doing whatever we're doing in the world these are the people that are taking care of our kids so they need to be protected and taken care in a higher regard because without teachers a lot of us would not be in the positions that we are so the same way how we can get the jobs and want to do job hunting and interviews for these major companies the same amount of energy needs to be put in the people that help prepare us to be in these places and i land there thank you very much nostra do appreciate your input go uh, right ahead o'neill uh can i say something quickly yeah, go ahead sure go right <laughs> moments go, go ahead go ahead o'neill go right yeah, ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. um right so i'm gonna disagree with Dre. I'm not for building prisons. The psychological impact that this we have to think about the psychological impact of building prisons and putting kids in prisons. We live in a prison society. That's not the solution. That's never going to be the solution. Right. When I say uh, prison, I don't really mean prison. In, no. You know, just more more oh. security. Like but this wrong. Oh, hold on, hold on. No, I'm not. I'm not with it either. You know, but is, is yeah. But go ahead, Neil. Yeah. Let, yeah. Let him. Let him finish. Go ahead, O'Neill. I'm pretty much saying right that we have to think about we're talking about children the children need to live in a space where they have hope freedom if we the slightest sign of anything that is going to lock them into a room lock them into spaces we're confining their minds and we're, we're going to create more mental instability in society so let me just say this um I've never really owned a gun. I've fired guns. I've been around guns. I mean, I'm not a gun crazy person. Most people that I know who owns licensed firearms, they become far more responsible. There's a sense of responsibility with, with well-being citizens that own guns. It's almost like owning a baby, right? So I think there's, a, there's also a psychological element that... We think that having a gun make us more violent, right? I mean, I don't think that's the truth, right? There are European countries where the uh, Swiss, Sweden or Swiss, one of those countries where the government gives every person at age 18, you get a gun from the government, right? And they don't have gun shootings in school. We have so much guns in Jamaica. And we don't see people doing mass murders in school. I don't think the gun is the problem. There's obviously something psychologically um, hate being taught to, to children. Um, you know, some of these kids are, are are firing guns for seeking attention. There's 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 a crisis in the country that goes far emotionally deeper than the physical instrument. Um, National talk about emotional intelligence. We have to create an environment. I agree that they have to step up security at the schools, right? They may need, they may need to put doors on classrooms that can be opened only from the inside. You know those push doors. You push the thing and it open the door. Right. Um, there are so much other things they can do, but I'm not 
I am four teachers having guns now. <laughs> like yeah. that's where my headspace is right now. Train them. Of you, you're supposed teachers are supposed to go through. Um, when they're hiring them, you're supposed to go through background check. You're supposed to go through. You're supposed to psychoanalyze them anyway. If teachers can't be trusted with guns, then I don't know who can. I yield the floor. Thank you so much, O'Neill. A Florida mother of three has been charged with manslaughter after her two-year-old son got hold of an unlocked, unlocked handgun, tongue twisted this morning, and fatally shot his father in their home, authorities said. The investigation began May 26 when deputies responded to an Orlando home in reference to a 911 call about a man who had been shot, according to an affidavit for an arrest warrant from the Orange County Sheriff's Office. Deputies arrived and found Reggie Marbury, 26, on the ground, suffering from an apparent gunshot wound, Sheriff John Mina said in a news conference on Monday. His wife, 28-year-old Marie Rose Ayala, was performing CPR on him until first responders arrived. Marbury was taken to a local hospital where he was pronounced dead. Three children, ages five, two, and an infant, were at the home but were not injured. Investigators initially thought the shooting was a suicide, but they learned at the hospital that Mabry had actually been shot in the back. Mabry had been playing a video game on his computer when Ayala heard a loud pop, she told police. The five-year-old child told an investigator that his two-year-old brother had shot their father. Further, Ayala acknowledged that the firearm, a Glock handgun, was typically stored in a backpack that hung on a nail about three feet off the ground. Investigators determined that both Mabry and Ayala, who are both convicted felons, left an illegal firearm in a room where it was easily accessible to the children. The gun was not properly stored. In fact, it was easily accessible to a two-year-old. And the result is a tragedy in the community that no one can really comprehend. Ayala has been charged with manslaughter by culpable negligence, possession of a firearm by a convicted felon, possession of ammunition by a convicted felon, and violation of probation. She is currently in custody at the Orange County Jail. CNN has reached out to the Orange County Public Defender's Office which is representing her for comment. She was convicted of a felony grand theft in 2016 and was on probation with the Florida Department of Corrections. Status that prohibited her from possessing a firearm. Florida is one of a number of states with so-called child access prevention, CAP laws, that impose penalties on parents who do not safely store household guns out of the reach of minors. Strong cap laws that impose criminal liability are associated with a significant reduction in the risk of pediatric firearm injuries, including self-inflicted and unintentional ones, according to a 2018 study in the Journal of Trauma and Acute Care Surgery. Um, yeah, Ayala, things are not looking good for you. As a convicted felon, you know that you should not have Neither you nor your husband should have had a weapon in your home, number one. Number two, you store it in a bag. The child knows it's there. The child knows it's there. They know exactly where to go to find it. Because children are very observant. Best believe they are the most observant little creatures. 
on the planet. They watch you and they take you out of winding it. You might think it's safe. That bag should have been put elsewhere, way out of reach, locked away something. It's not looking good for you right now. I'm sorry. It's unfortunate that your husband lost his life. Truly unfortunate. Now both parents gone, one in jail, <laughs> one dead. A U.S. woman accused of leading all-female ISIL unit pleads guilty. An American woman accused of leading an all-female ISIS battalion has pleaded guilty in United States court to conspiring to provide material support to a terrorist organization. Alison Fluke Ekren entered her plea at a federal courtroom in Northern Virginia near Washington, D.C. She faces up to 20 years in jail, the U.S. Justice Department said. Over 100 women and young girls, including as young as 10 or 11 years old, received military training from Fluke in Syria on behalf of ISIS. Fluke, who had been captured in Syria, was brought to the U.S. late in January to face charges. She will be sentenced on October 25th. Fluke sought to motivate her trainees by explaining how female fighters can ensure the Islamic State is kept alive by helping ISIS expand and to remain through the use of weapons, including automatic firing, AK-47, um, assault rifles, grenades, and suicide belts packed with explosives, the Justice Department said on Tuesday. A criminal complaint dated 2019, which was unsealed earlier this year, cited the testimonies of several witnesses who told U.S. officials that Fluke discussed waging attacks in the U.S., and had translated ISIL material into English. And ISIL is connected to ISIS. So you'll hear the terms used interchangeably. Family of a black man killed by police agrees to a $3 million settlement. A county in the U.S. state of North Carolina has agreed to pay a $3 million settlement to the family of Andrew Brown Jr., a black man who was shot and killed by deputies as he drove away from his home in 2021, the local sheriff said in a statement. Brown, 42, died fleeing a morning raid on April 21 in 2021 in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, a riverfront community where just over half of the roughly 18,000 residents are black. Deputies said they were serving drug-related warrants when they surrounded Brown's BMW before his car backed up and moved forward. They fired several shots at and into his vehicle. He was killed by a bullet to the back of his head. The county district attorney in May 2021 ruled the shooting justified and declined to prosecute the officers. Brown's family had filed a $30 million civil rights lawsuit in 2021, saying the man died because officers showed intentional and reckless disregard of his life. Brown's killing under unclear circumstances captured national attention and fueled a debate over the way police use force against black Americans. The shooting sparked days of protests in Elizabeth City, a rural town in northeastern North Carolina. Um, I have a recommendation to cities, state leaders, governors, everyone. Um, retrain your entire police force because very soon states are gonna cities are gonna go broke paying out lawsuits. Broke. 
because I think for the past two to three months, if not every week, at least every other week, there is a civil lawsuit. Cities having to pay out money. So change the behavior or go broke. Retrain your, your, your police force or grow, go broke. Go, you know, it, it, you're going to feel it. Taxpayers are feeling it right now. Go right ahead. I know someone opened their mic. Please go right ahead. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, James. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting because as you were, as you were um, reading that story, um, I was thinking the same thing, and, and I'm thinking, why is why are the you know why is it the, the American government so comfortable, you know, paying out all of these monies um, to you know black families that you know lose their loved ones at the hands of police? It just seems like they're more comfortable paying out for black people's debt than even to invest. Um, in, in people while they are alive, in, in putting in, you know, programs to, to make, you know, you know, the average African-American um, life better. But they're so willing to pay out all these money. And it makes you wonder, like, if, you know, the same way they, they have these funding put aside, like, to, to help countries, if they have some secret fund that they put aside to, to pay out to, to black families, when police, because it, it just don't make any sense. You know, like if, if, if I own like a, a private security firm and one of my security officers like, you know, you know, kill someone and, 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 and the firm has to pay out, you know, millions of dollars. I don't see how I can keep paying out millions of dollars and have the security officer still working, still getting his pension. Uh, and everything is okay, and and it's it's just it just don't make sense that some of these officers, you know, if you, if you check for the past 10, 15 years, the billions of dollars that's been paid out, you know, it it started from I started taking note from that that Rodney King beating, where they just paid all of this money, and the police officers are still on duty. So it makes you wonder, like you know, why are they so comfortable? you know, paying out all this money only to when you're dead, you know? I agree with you, James. Um, you know what I was thinking as you were talking? Is this how we get reparation? Yep, and that's what I was thinking too. That's our reparation, you know? You, you die and then, and then your, your family gets it. That's what it is. That's what it's come, that's how it seems to me at least. You know? Yeah. Suspect arrested after video shows woman being thrown off a Bronx subway platform onto the tracks. A 30-year-old man has been arrested after a video shows him allegedly grabbing a woman on a Bronx subway platform and brutally throwing her onto the subway tracks, the New York Police Department announced on Tuesday. Police recommended Theodore Ellis be charged with assault and reckless endangerment, though it is unclear what charges he will ultimately face when the Bronx District Attorney's General Office gets the case. The incident took place at about 4 p.m. at the Westchester Avenue, Jackson Avenue subway station. Video released by police shows a man alleged to be Ellis grab a woman and throw her down onto the subway platform so forcefully that she falls over the edge of the platform and onto the tracks. The man in the video then walks out of view of the camera 
and across the subway platform. It is unclear if the two individuals knew each other. The 52-year-old victim, who was not identified, was transported to a local hospital where she was recovering in stable condition. CNN has reached out to the district attorney's office for comment and the NYPD for more information about the incident. CNN has been unable to identify an attorney for Ellis at this time. The Legal Aid Society told CNN they are not currently representing Ellis. Sunday's attack is the latest in a series of incidents in which people have been pushed or fallen onto the New York City subway tracks this year. I don't know if this is something that's practical or feasible. Um, how about they have guardrails? I don't, I don't know how the subway um, operates. Let me say that first. I'm thinking about the tri-rail system here in Miami. Okay, so forgive me for my ignorance, all right? Remember I told you I only drove through New York as a child. I haven't been back. And the more I hear about New York is the more scared I get about visiting. But anyway, um... I'm here thinking, if they have guardrails that are up and then as a train approaches or comes in, the guardrails automatically go down. Is that something that is worth looking into? Would it be practical? I don't know how quickly trains go and come or how often they go and come in the subway. I don't know. Is that a practical solution? I need my New Yorkers or people who are familiar with the subway system to... um, Give me some insight. Is that a practical solution? I don't think so. Just like um, the other day when they talked about the um, scanners going in, there's so many subways. There's over 500 stations. Um, it's not a small system. Ooh. Take a look at a map. Just look up the New York City subway map. It's humongous. It goes all the way from um, the bottom of Brooklyn all the way up to the Bronx and bordering. It's huge. I don't think it's practical. Not quite practical. Honestly. Okay. But, um, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying that the, the subway system has been pretty much safe for years. I think um, manning the trains with, like what they do on the planes, manning the trains with, um, what do they call them? The marshals. Mm-hmm is maybe the best the best solution. There's um, already the NYPD, the MTA police. They're there. It's, it, people, it's a, you know what? People are violent. Things happen, but it's not happening every single day. That's why I don't, yeah, I'm okay. okay, so let me ask you, um, Sunet, based on what you just explained to me with the size of the um, network, do you think the the police, the subway police, you think they're full, they have enough staff or you think they need more? Or what are your thoughts on that? I think there are a lot of police already. Um, sure, some stations, I think, are more at risk because of how they are set up. Okay. Um, and maybe they should try to re- re- revalidate or evaluate how they put people and where they put them. Um, but... It's like anything. There's going to be a crack then, and somebody's going to slip through and something's going to happen. Um, so I just think we can't control as, as much as we'd love to say we can control every single thing. It is impossible, in my honest opinion. Um, do they have enough? Like I think like most other environments currently, we don't have enough staff in any 
set role. Okay. People, the, the the rate of attrition, people are retiring, they're getting old and they're leaving. And then people are are just resigning because they don't want to do that job anymore. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's a dangerous job. Like any other job being with the police is a dangerous job. I'm not saying, oh, yay, police. But it's, it's a dangerous job for people and they don't want to put themselves at risk if they don't have to. Yeah. So that could be one of the reasons why they're leaving as well. Okay. Thank you, Sonette. Appreciate your input there. Go right ahead, James, and then we'll move on. Yes, yeah, so so we we actually have the same the same issue in in Toronto too, and I think one of the one of the the, the big deterrents is like the the price tag because they they did they got a quote on what it would take because what what happened, I think in China, they mm-hmm. have they have um in the subway station they have, uh, on on the platforms they have doors they have like glass doors, that um, you you. That lines up with the train. So when the train comes in, um, those um, doors um, just connect to the, the train and it opens along with the, the, the door of the train. Um, so when they did, when they, they, they got a quote on how much it would cost to, to put that into the entire subway system, it was like billions of dollars. And, um, and it, would, it would affect the, the, the cost of, of riding the subway so much that it, it would more than triple the cost. And the subway system in in Toronto is about, probably about 10% of what it is in New York. New York subway system is massive, you know, so it, the, the price tag. And I think one of the things that they do, I noticed that they do in Toronto, they don't, they don't um, put it on the news when there's a, a, a debt in the subway station because of, because of copycat. So they they don't they don't do it. Like I've I've been I've been going down to the subway system one day when a train like someone jumped and like the the, the, the security from the train station just pushed everyone out of the station and you saw like ambulance and fire truck and everything coming in, but they refused to to tell you what happened. Like the only reason why I know because I was right, I was on like the last step going down. When the train came in and, and, and hit the person and the, the the conductor ran out of the train and started screaming at us to go back upstairs because they don't want um, people to see. So, yeah, I think I think they just weigh like because it doesn't happen every day. So they're thinking that like um, there are more incidents of people committing suicide than, than people being pushed. So I think they, they, they put all those stuff together and, and with the price tag, like, would it be worth it for, like, you know, the train ride to triple, you know, just because um, a few people will go and jump off, you know? Okay. Thank you so much, James. Appreciate your input. Work and Worker shortage forces summer camps to trim or cancel all programs. Many working parents who rely on local summer camps to keep their children busy when school is out for the summer will not have that option this year because of a serious staffing shortage. The start of summer vacation has arrived, but instead of preparing to welcome campers, several camps have had to disappoint families by shrinking the variety of programs they can offer this year. Some are canceling overnight programs or worse, camp altogether for the 2022 season. It's a nightmare situation for families who now have to scramble for a plan B. Camp operators say a serious worker shortage has forced them 
to take such drastic measures yeah what's going to happen because people can't afford to be home um what i would say is during the pandemic when the world shut down people worked from home for those people who have children and their roles can be done from home let them let them go home that that's my suggestion i don't know um because they're gonna have to look after their children something has to happen you know they can't quit the jobs because they need the jobs to pay the bills but if their function can be done remotely let it happen remotely republican texas oh <laughs> i i bought camp in february february because i cannot do stay home all day and work with the child yeah. god blesses people who can do it yeah. it is it is nearly impossible so i hope that <laughs> camp starts uh started actually this week for the camp in which i signed my child up for her school's not out for another two weeks okay so there's a there's a brief period where i'm paying for both and you know what have my money because <laughs> I need someone to be there to take care of her while I do stuff. It's it's hard. It's hard. I wish I had the 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 freedom to say I'm gonna stay home and take care of her and work. But it's it's really hard. So I'm gonna say, I'm just hitting going nope. Mm -mm. <laughs> but your position, but your position, to, um, Sunet, is taxing, right? much is required of you it, it needs your attention to detail so i totally understand why you would have that stance too yeah but it's, it's a lot a lot of parents i mean it's not to neglect because of course i love my child most people and most people love their children but it's hard we need a little bit of a break here and there if we're doing other things you know <laughs> that's it i'm gonna i'm gonna stop now thank you you're welcome Sinet. so republican texas lawmaker seeks to ban minors from attending drag shows a texas republican lawmaker is trying to ban minors from attending the drag shows brian slayton of east texas made a social media post on monday saying that he plans to introduce legislation during next year's legislative session that will aim at protecting kids from drag shows and other inappropriate displays. Brian Slayton of East Texas made a social media post on Monday saying that he plans to do this. Uh, yeah, you said that already. Apparently, his announcement came after videos surfaced online showing children attending a drag showcase in Dallas this past weekend. I promised my voters that I would stand up for their values and fight to protect Texas. I was reelected on that promise and I intend to keep it by authoring legislation to defend children from being subjected to drag shows and other inappropriate, <clears throat> excuse me, <coughs> events. I do apologize. I look forward to working with my colleagues to pass this important legislation. Please forgive me just one second. All I can say, folks, don't get COVID, right? Because you are left with something behind. And this is something I've been struggling with, the coughing. <clears throat> Excuse me, that goes and comes as it pleases. 
when you least expect it a lot of times. Yeah, so he is saying, <clears throat> excuse me, that he was elected on that premise. So let me ask a question. You don't have any um, transgender or cross-dresser or gay or anyone from the community in Texas? Texas, everybody in Texas is um, straight? Straight like arrows. Okay, good no, for Texas. And nope, nope. Yep, yeah, they're all straight. Good yeah. for Texas. Happy for you, Texas. Wow. Happy for you. I mean, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Allison. Good morning, Allison. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Um, I was just listening to that particular story, and I'm thinking to myself, the first thing they always say is they have to protect the children, but they need to start with Disney and Nickelodeon if they're really into protecting the children because a lot of cross-dressing, quote-unquote, happens a lot in a lot of those shows Facts. depicting people dressed in drag, and they all appear as caricatures or, you know, a character or somebody fun that's just transforming, but that's really the first introduction. So if he's worried about a club that's hosting a drag show, that's one thing. Because you can stop people at the door with just an ID. But if he's worried about protecting the kids, then he needs to go deeper to the source. And people who put on drag shows are just local artists, really just trying to make money. And it's if you've ever been to a drag show, it's about them imitating somebody. And it's mostly about comedy. And it's not a, about anything sexual. That but if you watch Disney and if you're worried about people or kids seeing people cross-dress, then let's pull Disney, let's pull Nickelodeon. But those entities have large bucks to pr pr protect what they're doing. They'd rather go for the small guy, and I just don't appreciate that. So if you have a problem with it, just say that, but just don't bring up this whole kid stuff. It's redundant at this point. But Allison, let me add to what you're saying. Wasn't Texas the state that said they would welcome Disney if um, Disney closed the shop in Florida? Just thinking, that's one. <clears throat> Number two, if we're talking, we're so worried about cross-dressing, why do we have the Martin Lawrence show on still going when he dresses up like his mom? Why do we have the movie... Uh, with the brothers from, oh my gosh, that family, the Wayans. White chicks. White chicks, okay. Why do the we have, professor. there we go. Why do we have Medea? Why do we, oh, as you say, not a professor and all the other movies that Eddie Murphy done, um, did. So do they not show those shows in Texas? I'm pretty sure they still do. It's on local TV, like anything that's on TV. Every day. <laughs> yeah. Every day, all day, Javette. But they're saying they want to ban minors from attending drag shows. And you are absolutely right, Allison. Um, there's a club that when we used to go to South Beach, you would drive past and we would just look in. And it's very entertaining. I've never been inside because it's always so jam-packed in there. But you... Is it Mangoes? No, no. Mangoes is a Cuban cabaret club. Not Mangoes, but what's... I can't remember the name of the club, but it's heading um, north on US 1. It's, you're, you're, you're going north. You're going north. It's um, right before you leave the strip. 
the, the South Beach Strip. But it's always jam-packed. And I look in there and I see the entertainment. And it's not packed with only gay folks. There are a lot of straight people in there. Because people go for the entertainment. The cross-dressers, they, the drag, they know how to entertain. They know how to put on a good show. And yes, not all drag um, people are members of the LGBTQ community. They do it for entertainment because they have to pay their bills. When you look at someone who is a felon and they can't get a job and they have that talent and they say, you know, I'm going to embark on that so I can pay my bills, let them be. It's an honest living, if you ask me. That's so true. I think Texas needs to be worried about bigger things like their gun laws. And now it's, you know, seeping into the schools and stuff. So he has bigger problems to worry about, not drags and drag people and LGBT community. He needs to worry about guns because gun control is out of control down there. They're not going to get it under control because remember, they, what did you say? They have to protect their ability to hunt, right? So hunting is huge for them down there. So that's what their concern is. If you take, if you um, put in gun control laws, that's their concern. <clears throat> yeah. Excuse me. Yes, that's the most important thing. But right now they're banning everything else. They're banning books. <laughs> I'm, I'm dead serious. They're banning books. They're banning a woman's right to their body. You know, you could just keep going down the list. Yeah, we can keep going. You're absolutely right. It's time for us to take another break. Coming up after the music break, we have business and tech news and health and science news. We continue with hashtag WCW Woman Crush Wednesday. And of course, our Woman Crush Wednesday artist for today is Tony Braxton.
Monday morning I'm gonna pack my tears away Got no cause to look back I'm looking for me a better day See the thing about love That is not enough It's the only thing it brings you is pain There comes a time when we could all make a change Stop, just a look Thank you to all our listeners logged on to QMZRadio.com, JanoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. I am Moments with me, and you're listening to Coffee in Tow, World News on the Go, every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. You're listening to the beautiful voice of Tony Braxton. She is our hashtag WCW Woman Crush Wednesday artist for today. So far, you've heard you mean the world to me. Let it flow. And right now, love should have brought you home last night.
And now it's time for business and tech news. And we are starting off with Kohl's. Kohl's put up a for sale sign, and this is courtesy of CNN Business. Kohl's may soon have a new owner. Kohl's said late Monday that it had entered into a three-week exclusive negotiation period for a potential sale with franchise group FRG, a holding company which owns the Vitamin Shop and other retail brands. Franchise group has proposed to buy Kohl's for $60 a share. Kohl's stock closed at $42.12 on Monday and rose 10% during early trading Tuesday on the news. The deal would value Kohl's at around $8 billion, the Wall Street Journal reported, about five times more than it was worth last week. Wow. Kohl's said that during the negotiation period, there were no assurances a deal would be reached. The department store has drawn the attention of an activist investor and an array of bidders. A sale would end a grinding year-long saga between Kohl's and some Wall Street investors over the company's future. With more than 1,100 U.S. stores and around $19 billion in annual sales, Kohl's is the largest department store chain in the United States. But the entire department store sector has been in structural decline for years against pressure from Amazon, growing big box chains that include Walmart and Target, and discount clothing stores like TJ Maxx. Companies such as Sarah's, JCPenney, Neiman Marcus, Barney's, and others have filed for bankruptcy in recent years. Department stores, including Kohl's, have been undercut on prices by discount players from the bottom and prestige by luxury stores at the top. The company has attempted a handful of approaches to draw in customers and stave off competitors, but the strategies have not led to major improvements at Kohl's. Anybody here a Kohl's fan? I'm not. Um, I've been in there. Uh, I probably can count on one hand um, how many times I've been into a Kohl's store. Not a huge fan of Kohl's. I don't know what it is. I, I can't say why. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I guess there are no Kohl's fans here. Okay, so we are the majority biden is considering cancel here we go again biden is considering canceling some student debt here's why it might not be such a great idea president joe biden is considering canceling some federal student loan debt suggesting a once pie in the sky idea is closer than ever to becoming reality. But while some Democrats argue that the president should immediately erase large amounts of student debt for 43 million Americans with a stroke of his pen, the implications of such a significant policy move are complicated. There are upsides and downsides. On the one hand, student debt cancellation could deliver financial relief to millions of Americans, helping them buy their first homes, start businesses, or save for retirement, all investments that may take a backseat to pay off student debt. Loan forgiveness could also help narrow the racial, racial wealth gap, some experts say. But broad student loan forgiveness could also shift the cost likely hundreds of billions of dollars to taxpayers, including those who chose not to go to college or those who already paid for their education. Loan cancellation could also add to inflation while doing nothing to address the root of the problem, college affordability. 
This is a pretty complex issue. Education Secretary uh, Miguel Cardona told MSNBC's Simone Sanders earlier this month when she pressed him on why broad student debt cancellation has not happened yet. Borrowers currently hold $1.6 trillion in outstanding federal student loan debt, more than Americans owe in either credit card or auto loan debt. About 54% of borrowers with outstanding student loan debt owed less than $20,000 as of March 2021, according to the College Board. About 45% of the outstanding debt was held by the 10% of borrowers owing $80,000 or more. Compared with other kinds of debt, it is extremely difficult to discharge student loans in bankruptcy. Prior to the pandemic, thousands of borrowers had their social security checks garnished because their student loans were in default. Federal student loan payments and interest accrual have been frozen since March 2020 due to a pandemic-related pause that Biden has extended several times. Payments are set to resume after August 31, and the White House has indicated that the president will decide whether to cancel some student debt by then, just months before the midterm elections. A one-time cancellation of federal student loan debt would do nothing to bring down the cost of college for future borrowers or those who already paid for their degrees. Forgiving debt does not affect college affordability at all, said Douglas Holtz-Egan, president of the Action for the American Forum, a conservative think tank and former director of the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office. In fact, it might even drive up the cost of college, he said, if prospective students have reason to believe that a future president may cancel their debt, they may be more willing to borrow the money and colleges, in turn, may decide to charge more for tuition and fees. It creates this moral hazard and sets up an expectation that debt may be forgiven in the future. Biden has acknowledged that college affordability is a problem and called for making community college free, but that move would require an act of Congress. The proposal was cut from the Biden-supported Build Back Better bill, which passed the House, but stalled in the Senate. I don't know if anybody wants to go ahead of me, but I do have a few thoughts on the whole thing. Let's go with the first and cancel all of it, and let's see how that works. Let's start there. Let's start there. Okay. <laughs> Here's, here's my question, Todd, and I want to pose this question to James, if he is able to give us any insight. In Canada, your first degree is free, right? Is James with us still? Yeah. No, it's not, it's not free. It's not free? No, no. Here's why I ask, because I have some cousins who were born in Canada, went to school in Jamaica, but went back to Canada and went to got their first degree for free. No, there are a lot of avenues where you can get it paid for, but it's, okay. it's not free. Yeah, not free. Thank you for clarification on that. Um, it, sorry, it it was um in well, I know, well, let me not say because, just like the the U.S., um, different province in Canada have different, um, different um laws. So I know, the last cycle, the last election, um, no, four years ago, it was on. It was passed um, for like for it to be free. Yes, it was passed. But what happened is that the, the government um, that passed it, the, it was in the middle of an, an election, and 
um, that, that government was very, they were not popular. So it's one of those election things that you just, okay, I'm going to do this to, to impress. But um, the voters um, voted her out. So um, the, the conservative government that came in after her did not um, continue with it. But it was passed, but it was never, um, people never were never able to benefit from it because the government changed at, at that time. But other provinces might might have it um, free. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Okay. So while you were talking, I jumped onto um, Google, you know me. So how much does it cost to attend college in Canada? College in Canada is not free, but it's way more affordable than the United States. For comparison, the average yearly tuition in the U.S. is about 32000 while the average yearly tuition in Canada is above 5000 There are no tuition for universities for Canadian students. However, you can study without paying the tuition fee by getting a full tuition scholarship or even fully funded scholarships. Okay, so they probably got scholarships. Thank you, James. Appreciate appreciate your response. So, I think um, we can look into canceling debt because if we have money to shell out to wars, we have money to cancel debt, um, education debt. And you push so much for education, 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 get that degree, it's the way out, it's the way out, it's the way out, it's the way out. You hear it so much. Granted, most people who are very successful don't have college degrees. Let me just put that right there. People don't like me saying that, but uh, people don't like me. Oh, go ahead, Javet. Go right ahead. I'll let you go ahead before I give my spiel. Good morning. Uh, um, I think some of their theory is kind of skewed, especially the last one about if they cancel the debt, then the schools may charge higher fees. <laughs> the schools have already been paid. Thank you. The schools have already been paid. So most debt right now may just be with Fannie Mae, which is government backed, or with an actual maybe credit union or a bank. That so part. that part of their argument is skewed. Thank you. Because I was I was going to get to that point, Javed. Thank you. You're right. And from my experience with college admissions, working in a private college, the goal is to keep your students um, in class for at least 45 days. You don't want anybody dropping out, right? Because that guarantees the check being cut and the school gets the check in case y'all didn't know. You know, when they check up on you to make sure you're okay. Oh, how is class going? Everything good? Settling in all right? It's not that they really care about you. They just want to make sure you don't drop out. Because you're not dropping out guarantees them getting the money from the government. Full stop. So, yes, that's an asinine statement to make that colleges may increase their tuition they increase their tuition every year anyway it's not going to impact the college at all because they're getting their money kind of like when you default on a debt and they send you to collection agencies i did work in collections too in case you didn't know that debt is already paid for that debt is insured it's paid for but they smear your credit 
Because what they do is they turn around and sell the debt, pennies on the dollar, and then that third party who you did not sign a contract with, which you can argue because you did not sign a contract with them, they're now trying to make money, get back their money, and make money. Yesterday, <laughs> I was talking to my mom. I don't know, I can't remember what she, she said. Oh, we were talking about some business. And I'm like, everybody's a scammer now. Every single corporation is a scammer. Banks are scammers. Insurance companies are scammers. Well, here we go with another scamming. And then they want to put us in jail when we scam. <laughs> so my mom says, they're, they're just legal, legalized scammers, which is true. Another scam. Trying to make you think it's going to affect the college. The college. The colleges are not being affected. They're getting their money one way or another. Credit card companies, they get their money. Furniture stores, they get their money. Car sales, um, automobile sales companies, they get their money. They're not losing anything, but they make you feel they're losing something so that you end up having to pay. It's all a scam. I'm sorry. <laughs> and moments i have one thing one more thing can i throw out yes um man i think it just left me just as quick as it came <laughs> you see what happened when you see what happened when you get younger exactly um, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to my club oh, okay. where i'm the president okay it came back it came Good. back so the other thing about canceling debt is student loan debt part of the billions of dollars that the United States have in debt, or is that debt to somebody else? I just wanted to ask that question. I don't know. Because if you cancel it, then that even lowers our debt um, ceiling. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I don't really know. I don't know either. I really don't know either. I don't know. But what I do know is they need to um, really think about this really think about it you know because it's ridiculous and if you default because of any hardship if, and here's the thing it's easy for us to say well um you need to be monitoring your stuff okay i get that but sometimes some people are so taken up and distracted trying to find a job, trying to balance the scales in their home, keep the lights on, keep the water running, that they forget to, um, they actually forget to, what, what's that thing? Defer, sign up for deferment, right? And you going to default, that stays on your credit and it's hard to get it off. And that can impact people. So I believe that Something should be done. Something can be done if they choose to. If they choose to. And I don't understand why um, people have to leave college with an $80,000 debt, $100,000 debt looming over their head. It's ridiculous. I'm sorry. I'm just ranting right now. Uh, i say something in a moment. Yeah, go right ahead now. No, Auto Order. So why are you so like naturalist? Oh, by the way, happy anniversary, Auto Order. Happy anniversary, Clubhouse anniversary. Why are you so like naturalist this morning? See, I be calling the wrong names. Forgive me. <laughs> no, it's all good. 
Well, I think the bigger picture with um, relieving the debt is that just like um, big pharmacy, this is big business. If they start relieving the debt, they're going to have to start cutting jobs. Um, these sectors where they created um, careers for people, like the debt debt relief, debt consolidation, um, debt acquisition, all these big companies will start going away. And You're breaking up really turn. bad. You're driving. You're breaking up really bad. I'm in the matrix. Oh yes, you are. Yeah, I'm driving. Okay. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead now. Some some Come of these politicians, some of these big politicians, their biggest supporters are some of these people that own these companies. So their their pockets are getting greased. And if they start cutting that, then then what are their supporters going to do? They're going to start losing money themselves. So it's a big, it's a bigger picture than that. That's why I said it's to me it's a simple fix: just relieve, give the debt relief, and be done with it. But they don't want to do that because they're seeing that they're lo- they're going to be losing money, and they don't want to do that. Everybody only cares about their pocket. But isn't that what they use to 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 help with the election to sell that um, student loan to people? That's what they did. Yeah, they sell a dream to us. And you know, yeah, they're so, selling a dream to us. But in the back in the back rooms, they're making bigger deals with their friends. I understand. They don't yeah, sell me something, and then later on, you're gonna pull it from under us. You know, it it's. I don't know. It's just it's just ridiculous. But okay, I hear you, Otak. But yeah, if look at it like this, um, Arlen, they could sell us a dream and they've already been elected. They, they've got their four years or whatever it is. What are we going to do? Moan, gripe, complain, and nothing's going to get done because we're not giving them any money. We're not giving them any funding. But the ones that do give them funding, they go and moan, say, hey, remember that $100,000 I promised you next month? It's not going to come in if you don't get this done and they sign. Whereas we now we go and complain, oh yes, we'll we'll we're working on it, and nothing get done. Midterms come around or big the um, four years come around. I promise you, we're gonna do this, and we we some of us fall for it and go vote for them and go sell it to us again. Yeah, it's exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know something, I wouldn't make a good politician. I wouldn't. I would not get voted in, and here's why, because I'd be too honest. I'm not going to go out there and make false promises or say things that people want to hear to get a vote. And then once I'm elected, rescind, knowing full well that I got that vote under false pretense. You ever heard the saying, it is better to underpromise and overdeliver? That's the stance I would take. I can't guarantee anything. We can try. And I think they need to change their verbiage. This is what I would like to be able to do. We can, it, it, it's a possibility if, do not go up there and make concrete promises, knowing full well that the promises you make may reach a point where they get stalled because the other side of the, the aisle does not agree or chances are people on your side of the aisle don't agree. So let us be careful. And this is what politicians need to do. And we, the voting public, 
need to come to our senses and say, hey, 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 stop. Just stop right there. Don't sell us a story. Don't do that. Keep it real with us. But they keep doing it to us because we keep falling for the BS. We, we feed into it. We're like a school of fish gathered at the side of the boat. Every, every fish has their mouth open waiting for the bait to drop. That's who we are. And as soon as it drops, we get it and they get us. Hook, line, and sinkle. We need to wake up and hold these politicians accountable. When they come up to make their grandstand speeches on their campaign trail, tell them to stop. We don't want to hear it. Tell us the truth. Keep it real with us. What are you truly capable of doing? What do you know can be accomplished without interference? Yeah, yeah moments. Maybe, maybe it's a part of their their, their long-term plan to, to replenish, um, you know, the society. Because remember, like, America, bragging rights was always, you know, a country that's built on immigrants, right? That's one of their almost, like, go-to, like, slogan. You know, a country that's built um, on immigrants. And if you realize that one of the speeches that Donald Trump made when he was in office was, you know, um, how getting immigrants from these certain countries remember when, when he yep. made that S.O. statement yeah and he was saying the countries that that they want you know bright minds from these countries and if you realize not not just the u.s but just north america like canada like you know it's so easy when when this when they're like okay we need engineer for this we need this for that but we don't have them here let's go to to france let's go to to, to, to Germany, let's go and, and get those people. And, and they get selected, set of people from, from, from certain countries to come in and the immigration process is much easier for them. You know, so may, maybe they're smart. Maybe they're just using it to replenish, you know, their, their population because, you know, like, yeah, like they're, they're, losing, they're losing their footing. So maybe it's just a, a way to get Europe, to, to see Europe like a reparation, like Europe, that, not reparation, but repatriation, like Europeans to come to come to America, you know. <laughs> oh boy! So Goodyear recalls more than one hundred and seventy thousand tires. Goodyear has recalled these tires over an issue that could potentially. Ooh, I'm here. Did you hear that crackling? I hope. Hold on, let me fix something here. Okay. So Goodyear has recalled more than one hundred and seventy-three thousand tires over an issue that could potentially lead to a crash. And I'm not sure why this is crackling on me right now. Almost two decades after the last tire was made, Goodyear issued a recall of more than 173,000 G159 tires. So check your vehicles, folks. The concern with the tires comes from an apparent tread separation issue that could raise the likelihood of someone getting into a car crash. The recall comes after allegations against Goodyear started coming in, claiming the company's Goodyear G159 tires that were installed on Class A motorhomes failed in service. I don't know what the G59 uh, looks like. I don't know if it's only used on motorhomes, but check your tires nonetheless. Fox Business reports that the issue allegedly led to deaths or injuries. The tires were made from 1996 to 2003, and our size 275 70R 22.5 
with DOT date codes 046 through 0403. Ultimately, Goodyear issued a safety recall over the tires after talks with the NHTSA. Owners who are affected will receive a $60 voucher and a replacement of their tires at no charge. The news outlet reports that those who have tires that were not installed will be offered $500. So again, check your tires, folks. That's 275-70R, 22.5 Goodyear G159 tires. In health and science news, researchers find a new drug that could help patients treat breast cancer. Researchers, researchers have found a drug targeting a protein responsible for driving breast cancer growth that works against tumors with deficient protein levels. Although this breakthrough is targeted, um, cancer therapy is not a cure. It could open up treatment options for thousands of patients with advanced breast cancer. Do we believe that they have a cure for cancer? But they don't. I'm just asking. The drug costs around $14,000 per month and has serious side effects. I believe they have cures for a lot of things. They just don't want to give them to us because they make more money feeding us medicine month after month after month yeah so the there's a drug it's called nr2 e-n-h-e-r-t-u it is an antibody chemotherapy combination delivered intravenously it locates and inhibits the her2 protein on cancer cells releasing a potent cancer killing chemical it's part of a new family of drugs known as antibody drug conjugates. In April, the FDA approved the drug for treating HER-positive breast cancer for this new group of patients. The drug extended the time patients lived without their cancer advancing and enhanced survival in the latest study compared to patients who received standard treatment. About 500 patients with HER2 low breast cancer that had spread or could not be treated with surgery were studied with the drug compared to standard chemo. The drug stopped cancer progression for about 10 months while regular chemo stopped cancer progression for about five and a half months. The drug extended life by around six months. It's a practicing changing study, said Dr. Sylvia Adams at NYU. It addresses a major unmet need for patients who have metastasis. Just said somebody said for me. I'm, I can't do it this morning. Metastasis. Thank you. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Woo. Listen, I have no problem saying I can't pronounce the word, so don't shoot me. <laughs> oh, but I, I was thinking of a different word. I don't know why. Experts say it's now crucial to define the HER2 gray area so that the proper people get the treatment and are closely monitored. As I said, the drug costs $14,000 per month and has serious side effects. Three of the study's participants died of lung disease, a recognized side effect. Do you know what I'm hearing? When you watch these commercials, you're right, out order, no profit in cures. When you watch these commercials, you know, for the different medicines, and then at the very end, you hear the 
being spilled off. You can't hear one thing that they're saying, but they're listing a whole ton of, you know, things. And one thing I do hear is could lead to death. I don't know. If it's only going to, this is me personally, and I'm not trying to put a damper on anybody's hopes. But if all I'm going to get is another six months, just leave me alone. Leave me alone. Unless the six months is for me to tie up loose ends. But if it's only going to give me six months and my quality of life is not going to be normal, leave me alone. Let me go. Goodbye. That's how I, that's how I look at it. I know it sounds morbid. I agree. Yeah. I agree. It doesn't sound morbid at all. $14,000 for six months? Every, for every month for six months. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Even more so. No, no. <sighs> Let me do the math. That's $84,000. And I'm only going to get six months. And then my family is left with a bill. So, I'm sorry. A bill that may eat out of life insurance, right? When they could have the full amount. I am going to pay the doctors or the hospital $84,000. No, my family can use that. If I'm thinking practical, that's that's me. Please don't listen to me. Don't let me encourage anybody to think like me. Okay, everybody does what's best for them. <laughs> that's just my thought. More than 82 million COVID-19 vaccine doses have been tossed out. Yep, tossed out as the demands for vaccine orders declined between December 2020. Through the middle of May this year, 82.1 million doses of the COVID-19 vaccine, which the federal government distributed, have been tossed in the trash. Federal agencies, pharmacies, and more threw out the vaccine doses. Some of the pharmacies, which were responsible for discarding over a quarter of the doses, included Walmart and CVS. Some of the reasons behind throwing the vaccines out are due to the number of vaccine doses that pharmacies were put in charge of managing. While many of the doses were thrown out, more doses were used. According to the WHO, World Health Organization, the amount of loss in doses falls in line with what the organization projected. However, the org said the number of doses wasted is still more than necessary. Yeah, Dr. Sheila Shinoy, an infectious disease expert, expert at the Yale School of Medicine, says the loss of doses hurts the ability to control the spread of the virus. It's a tremendous loss to the pandemic control, especially in the context of, context of millions of people around the world who haven't even been able to get a first dose. Let me tell you why they have to throw a lot of it. Besides funding, because we also know, remember a couple of weeks ago, we spoke about um, them not being able to give the free vaccines anymore because of lack of funding remember we spoke about that but here's the other thing there are a lot of people who got the covid didn't have the vaccine and survived and science told us that if you have the if you got the the um, virus at any point you have the antibodies so people are saying so why get the vaccine that's a train of thought that's a conversation i've heard many times a lot of people did not believe in the vaccines. That's another thing because they're very skeptical based on what was floating around in media, right? Number two. Another thing is that um, <laughs> people want control of their bodies. 
they want to have a say in what goes in and what goes out and you know yeah they don't want to feel forced into doing anything so that's the mental aspect as well prescription cannabis products with more thc may ease chronic pain at least a little study finds uh you're late uh you're late you're late you're all late to that who from the caribbean i don't know about other countries in the caribbean but i know in jamaica the older folks they would put um ganja in a jar and fill it up with white rum and when they have arthritis what do they do they take it and you know sap the joints and it helps ease the pain right um it has been known that people who are going through um chemo cancer patients when they get weed it eases the pain right so um y'all a little late on this or i don't know somebody got to get paid for this for the research so let me just say that um people who suffer from chronic pain may find small to moderate pain relief for the short term when using certain prescription cannabis products with higher thc to cbd levels but there are some worrisome side effects here they go okay thc is the chemical compound in the marijuana plant that makes you high the cbd is the second most prevalent active chemical in cannabis but it does not make you high both have been associated with pain relief the findings are in line with what we know said yasmin heard a professor of pharmacological sciences neuroscience and psychiatry at the Econ school of medicine at mount sinai in new york city she was not involved with the study uh, there is some indication, she said, that there is weak to moderate pain relief depending on the ratio of the THC-CBD. But there is an increased side effects of dizziness, dizziness and sedation. I think I will go with dizziness and sedation over liver problems and, and um, what you call it, kidney failure and lung cancer. I, I will go with that, dizziness and sedation. Don't we get dizzy when we're... <laughs> you know what, let me, let me stop. But... um. Everything has side effects, whether nature, natural or anything, because, of course, anything done in excess will cause an, 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 a reaction. Let me not use the word allergic reaction, a reaction of some sorts. Okay. And what, is the cons- what is this big thing with, ga- with weed? Is it ganja, weed, cannabis, however you want to put it? What, what, is the, what is the big thing with it, though? It's nature. It's natural. What's the problem? What's the problem? The government can't make money off of it. Look, they are making money off it now. Now. <laughs> I said the problem with, 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 with weed, cocaine, most of these things has to do, well, not making money off it is that they never had a way, just like alcohol, until the government finds a way to regulate and give because with weed right now, it's the white people that's making money out of weed, not the blacks. So, um, that's one. And two, anything that heals people and doesn't allow the pharmaceutical companies to make billions is going <laughs> to heal the floor. I, mean, I agree with you, O'Neill. I'm laughing because I'm agreeing. Yeah, you're cutting into their profits, right, O'Neill? Profits over people? Yes, definitely. Uh, good but, morning. <clears throat> Hold on morning. one second, Empress. Sorry. One second, one second. Go ahead, Javette. Go ahead. Why I say they can't make money is 
anybody that have a piece of dirt can grow weed for themselves. Mm-hmm. They can't control that. So they will lose money. Mm. Okay. And happy birthday, Empress. Yes. Happy birthday, Empress. Happy birthday, Empress. Thank I you. Think, I think they still control it, though, because... Um, I mean, it's still illegal to grow. So in Oregon, everything is legal. Every single drug you can think about is legal, but for personal use. But if you decide to create, set up a greenhouse to grow weed, you want to go to jail. Um, so they still have crimes. It's, cri- it's still criminal to have certain quantities, either growing it or transporting it. Um, but you can have personal use. So personal use is not necessarily the issue because a lot of people that have we like um, moments to talk about how to use it to, with the rum and the pimento seed and all that kind of stuff. A lot of people don't even know how to use weed for health benefits, right? So they're still benefiting though because the white, the, the, the Caucasians are the ones that are controlling the weed industry and there's billions in it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Anil. Thank you, Javette. Empress, happy birthday to you. How are you feeling, first of all? I am in a space of gratitude. I mean, you know, life, right? And I thought of you when I started feeling not so well because I was just like, wow, I can't see what moments was going through, you know? Um, I So in terms of the, the industry, um, when I was studying, um, doing my herbal studies, we learned how so many things um, have gone through that. So even like white bark um, oak, that is the ingredient that's used in like things like Tylenol that they used and um, used a law to limit herbalists in, in, in utilizing. So it's not, weed is, it's so much more and I don't have, I, I have um, classmates that are really into the history of it. I can't, but it's just interesting to me how they really try to limit the natural order of things, you know, um, and especially when it, it is um, handled by indigenous people, people of color um, who have the knowledge and everyone has their own knowledge. But um, learning about the, the way in which people, um, how they saw like certain groups of people getting the power and how it becomes illegal right and not only with just the herbs but also with just like uh practices and rituals um and so it's it's a a very interesting dance because even now people are locked up because of weed right i don't know if that was um hit um talked about yet and you having so many people who are benefiting from it who who are often white like what neil was saying so it's it's a it's such an unfortunate thing when you're thinking about the healing um abilities and also what it means for like countries um like jamaica that has so much herbs that are so beneficial in other places and how people are trying to pattern it patent um these things that are not helping um the communities that it's coming from so it's a it's a, a a really big discussion and something to pay attention to. Um yeah, that is the right there. Thank you so much, Empress. Yeah. 
Coming up after the music break, we do have Sports Caribbean Corner, news out of Latin America. Here's a little bit more from our hashtag WCW artist for today, Tony Braxton. It is Woman Crush Wednesday.
Thank you to all our listeners logged on to QMCRadio.com and JanoRadio.com. And everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. I am Moments With Me and you're listening to Coffee and Toe World News on the Go every Monday through Friday starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern where I read the news and we share our views. Today we are listening to the songs from Tony Braxton. So far we've heard he wasn't man enough long as I live and now you're making me hot. Don't forget tomorrow we do go live on Future FM 98.9 up there in the Bronx, Westchester and Mount Vernon. And also do not forget to download the um, app J-A-H-K-N-O Radio, available in your Apple and Google Play stores. And now it is time for sports news. And we're starting off with Simone Biles and others seek $1 billion plus from FBI over the Nassar issue. Former Olympic gymnasts, including gold medalist Simone Biles, are among dozens of assault victims who are seeking more than $1 billion from the FBI for failing to stop sports doctor Larry Nassar, lawyers said on Wednesday. There's no dispute that FBA, FBI agents in 2015 knew that Nassar was accused of molesting gymnasts, but they failed to act leaving him free to continue to target young women and girls for more than a year. 
It is time for the FBI to be held accountable, said Maggie Nichols, a national champion gymnast at Oklahoma in 2017 to 2019. Under federal law, a government agency has six months to respond to the tort claims filed on Wednesday. Lawsuits could follow depending on the FBI's response. The Justice Department said in May that it would not pursue criminal charges against former FBI agents who failed to open to quickly open an investigation. The approximately 90 claimants include Bowles, Ali um, Raisman, and Michaela Maroney, all Olympic gold medalists, according to Manley, Stewart, and Finaldi, a California law firm. If the FBI had simply done its job, Nassar would have been stopped before he ever had the chance to abuse hundreds of girls, including me, said former University of Michigan gymnast Samantha Roy. Indianapolis-based USA Gymnastics told FBI agents in 2015 that three gymnasts said they were assaulted by Nassar, a team doctor. But the FBI did not open a formal investigation or inform federal or state authorities in Michigan, according to the Justice Department's Inspector General, an internal watchdog. Los Angeles FBI agents in 2016 began a sexual tourism investigation against Nassar and interviewed several victims but also did not alert Michigan authorities. Nassar was not arrested until fall 2016 during an investigation by Michigan State University Police. He was a doctor at Michigan State. Here's my thing with this. FBI, you dropped the ball. But here's the other thing. Young girls, and I know that a lot of times, young girls who are into gymnastics have to go to camps in other states. And sometimes it is not feasible for parents to be there, especially if, you know, middle-class parents to lower-income parents who have to work and who also have other children, you know, and they have to take care of them, right? I understand but if I'm going to leave my daughter in your care, there's no way the child should be seen solely by the doctor. Just as when we take our children to the pediatrician, we don't just give them to the nurse or the doctor and say, here, do your thing. Don't we go in there and see to it that they're okay, that they're, you know, we're busy watching. So who goes with them when they're being looked at by the, the team doctors? Who protects them? I mean, I think there's a simple solution for that. Um, these young girls should have had what is called a chaperone, a, a female nurse or medical assistant or somebody that is always present when they're being examined, period. So the doctor wouldn't have had them by himself at any given occasion. So that's not a, to put. I wouldn't put it on the parents at all. The no, that's why. That's why. Only I'm sorry to cut you, but that's why I said in cases where parents aren't able to be there, you know, it's the isn't it the team's responsibility to see to it that these children are are protected? I'm sorry. Go right ahead. No, no, no. I was really finished. I was saying to, to your point that whether the parents is there or not. I mean, it should be a medical team. And you're dealing with females. So if it's a male doctor, there should be at least one other person, a female person in the room. 
I mean, we know sexuality go, molestation goes all different directions, but you would have had wh where there is at least two or three persons present for a medical examination, all three persons would have to be complicit for molestation to happen. So it lessens the chances, I believe, for it to happen if there's a second or a third person in the room. Yeah, I yield. Thank you so much, Anil. Yeah. So let us hope that they have made amends since this whole thing came to light, right? Um, yeah, because I would not be happy if that happened to my daughter, knowing that I was not able to be there to protect her myself. And now it is time for Caribbean Corner. Six members of the Haitian Special Olympics soccer contingent are missing, Florida authorities are saying. Six members of a Haitian Special Olympics uh, contingent are missing, and this is according to a news release from the Osceola County Sheriff's Office. The Sheriff's Office sent out a bulletin bullet looking for <clears throat> excuse me, Antoine Methon, Nicholson Fontelous, Peter Berlou, Anderson Petitfrère, Stevenson Jacquet and Oriel Jean. The missing individuals are all men between the ages of 18 and 32 who were in the U.S. for a soccer competition. The group was participating in the 2022 Special Olympics USA Games in Orlando, which began Sunday and run through June 12. The individuals are all adults, five of whom are not Special Olympics athletes and one who is an adult with intellectual disability the Special Olympics said in a statement to CNN. The well-being of these delegates is our foremost concern. Local authorities have indicated they have no reason to believe the health and safety of any of the individuals is at risk. To expand the reach and effectiveness of law enforcement's efforts to locate these individuals, they have been reported as missing persons. The six went missing in Kissimmee, just south of Orlando, and were last seen Monday afternoon around 2.30 p.m. They all turned in their room keys and left behind their personal bags and belongings, the release said. The reason they left the games is unknown, the statement noted. Foul play is not suspected, according to the sheriff's office. We are in communication with Walt Disney World, Special Olympics, and our law enforcement and federal partners. Okay, that's a we we know what happened. We know. So that's not go back here. Exactly. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Oh, that's <laughs> that's that's they across the border in Mexico. Uh, you're here. Why leave? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm done. I won't say anything else. <laughs> Can I blame them? No. <laughs> I really don't. Jamaica eyes republic status by next general election. Jamaica will transition from a constitutional monarchy to a parliamentary republic by the next, ge next general election, which is constitutionally due in 2025. 
This is according to Minister of Legal and Constitutional Affairs, Marlene Malahu-Forte. She gave the timeline on Tuesday during her contribution to the sectoral debate in the House of Representatives. The goal is to ultimately produce a new constitution of Jamaica enacted by the Parliament of Jamaica to inter alia, establish the Republic of Jamaica established the Republic of Jamaica as a parliamentary republic, replacing the constitutional monarchy and affirming our self-determination and cultural heritage, Malahu Forte said. I am pleased to advise this Honorable House that the work to achieve this goal while being done in stages has formally commenced. Didn't we ask the question today what was going on with that? And we also wanted to know what's going on with the reparation um, process proceeding you know because we hadn't heard any updates so here we go um a significant majority of jamaicans want the country to ditch the queen as head of state and those arguments have gained momentum since caribbean neighbor barbados did just that last november when it transitioned to a republic malahu forte told the house that to get the work done she is in the process of establishing a constitutional reform committee which will have at least two members of the parliamentary opposition on board there are many steps to be taken between now and the tabling of a new constitution i will advise when the committee is fully constituted and i am anxious to see what it's going to look like i i want to see what that constitution is going to look like and how they move forward I'm getting a little bit of chills thinking about it, but it is time. It is time. It is time. They, be, they better do it, do it quick and fast before it lose momentum. <laughs> exactly. Be, because to, to me, like, I think what, what, can, what can shift, like, Jamaicans from thinking about it that way is the whole Privy Council thing with Vibes Cartel. Like, if, if, if the Privy Council free Vibes Cartel, and he's still as popular as he is, it could shift the way how people think about, because they were saying, can we trust the, the Jamaican system um, in terms of locking away someone for life if a privy council come and say, no, you don't have enough grounds to keep this person in prison, so they better do it quick and fast. I, I, I don't think that 100%, because Trinidad, that's a republic still go to the Privy Council. I don't think you have to 100% cut ties with the Privy Council if you become a republic. Because Trinidad is a republic. And um, the, the the highest court in the region outside of the Privy Council would be the Caribbean Court of Justice, which which is not necessarily... I wouldn't put my faith in them. Um, I don't think whether or not Vibes Cartel get free, it's going to make a difference. Um, the Privy Council have been freeing recently... Early this year, there was a policeman who was locked up for murder almost 10 years who got freed by the Privy Council. Um, people in Jamaica has been freed by the Privy Council for murder in a lot of different instances. I get the Vibes Cartel popularity thing. He's expected, as a matter of fact, it, it's expected that it's going to be either a retrial, ordered retrial, or it's going to be um, that the case, they're going to ask the case to be dismissed against him. I mean, based on the tampering of the evidence or evidence that in evidence was tampered with, whether or not he did a crime or not. So, but I don't really think that's going to change the mood. I think Jamaican people, how they see the queen, they don't they don't see it as a value system. 
I mean, there's you have to get a visa to go to Britain. Um, there's no clear benefit that anybody can say, I am benefiting from the British crown for anything in Jamaica. It is seen as a cost to us. Um, the only element is the Privy Council, which, which I don't think you have to give up if you become a, a um, republic. You, you can still be... Because it, it's really how you set your constitution and, and, and it's, we're still a part of the Commonwealth. I yield. Thank you so much, Anil. Go ahead, James. Yeah, sorry. You know what? You know why I say that? Because based on, on the studies that they have been doing in Jamaica, the Vibes Cartel generation are the generation that are pushing to step away from the Queen. People over fifty. If you if you listen, like even if you you listen to the conversation, a lot of these um, people over fifty are saying that look, the Queen wasn't responsible for slavery. Like leave the Queen alone. Um, Jamaica is better with the queen of the head of state and stuff. But people like 40 and under, people who, you know, the Gaza, Gully Gaza, you know, that generation, those are the people that are pushing and say, look, we, we need out from under the screen. Why, why, why are we, you know, why is there the head of state living in a different country? It doesn't make sense. So that's why I say that. And based on the popularity that he has, because people, people surmise that, look, if this guy comes out of prison, it's going to be a next like Bujabantan type of thing where like you could keep a, a concert and, and shut down the entire country the way all oh, this guy's popular. So that that is different from the, the police officer because if you're not like a news person that follows the, the news, which a lot of you know our young young people are not really following the news like that, nobody knows about this police officer that kills his girlfriend and that got out. But everybody knows about Vice Cartel. And and he is a person because remember, like when this, when he one of his, his statement, last statement was "Long live the Queen" or whatever when he was talking about the Privy Council. So I feel like it, it could have some influence on it. Okay, I think O'Neill, you want to go again because I know you were saying something in the chat. Uh, I, I mean, I'm just saying that, honestly speaking, um, the, the the whole conversation of moving away from the Queen is at least 20, 25 to 30 years in the making. P.J. Patterson campaigned on it years ago. Um, there have been campaigns in Jamaica. The, 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 politi the, the political leadership just don't have the guts. It takes a referendum. The country has to vote on it, actually. So um, they just don't have the guts to do it. They're only talking about this now because it becomes more popular because Barbados did it. And because Mia Motley is being hailed across the world as a, a, a change leader, right? Um, th this is just political PR. That's all it is. They really don't give a hoot. The Governor General um, <laughs> and King's House, the average Jamaican don't have time to think about who's the head of state because they're trying to feed themselves. Most of them not going to vote anyway at a referendum. It's not so important. And, and I don't think the vice cartel issue, um, him being free, him saying he'll the queen or whatever. Vice cartel, again, is just in PR for himself. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, trust me, it's not such a big deal because most people, even young people, um, are, are wondering what's going to be the, like the last some of the report, the things I see in social media, people are asking the question like, okay, so you're spending billions of dollars to change the, 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 the dollar now. Why not wait until you, you, you became a republic? And then 
issue a new dollar that would speak to the Republic of Jamaica. Mm. Like, all of this is PR, politicking, working on the emotions of Jamaican people, playing with their minds, giving them the perception that something different and new. Now, if, you, if, if you're in politics and you want to keep fooling people, all you have to do every day, I'm a marketer. You just, you just simply adjust your logo. <laughs> put a little color up on the thing. You like have a car, you wash it, you dirty today, you wash it, and you maybe t- touch up two places on it. It look new. Trust me, this is all a PR stunt. <laughs> Thank you so much, Amar. Thank you, uh, James. Cayman Airways could soon be adding new West Coast routes. Cayman Airways CAL is eyeing expansion, according to a report from online travel magazine Simple Flying. On May 27, 2022, CAL applied to the U.S. Department of Transportation for access to one or more West Coast airports. The application was made under the provisions of the 2020 U.S.-U.K. Open Skies Agreement, which serves as the basis of the United States-United Kingdom Air Services relations. The U.S.-U.K. Open Skies Agreement, a bilateral Open Skies Air Transport Agreement, signed in November 2020, became necessary as a replacement for the U.S.-EU Open Skies Agreement after the U.K. withdrew from the E.U. It includes all the essential elements of open skies, such as unrestricted capacity and frequency, open routes, code-sharing opportunities, a liberal charter regime, a market-determined pricing. It also includes the U.K.'s overseas territories and crown dependencies, under all of the terms of the agreement. Prior to the U.S.-U.K. Open Skies Agreement, overseas territories and crown dependencies were not included in the U.S.-EU agreement and were subject to the more restrictive Bermuda II agreement. Oh my gosh, all these different agreements that they have floating around. Widely regarded as an agreement that was contrary to the principle of open skies, as per the continuing liberalization of the legal framework governing the air transport industry in various parts of the world. Let me say this for me. If I was a Caymanian or if I lived in the Cayman Islands, all I want to know is can I go from Cayman to LA? Period. That's it. The, the rest of it, we really don't care. Um, unless I'm into the legal nuances and intricacies of the whole thing. A Guyanese woman handed a three-year sentence for fake rape claims and extortion. A 20-year-old Guyanese woman was sentenced to three years in prison when she appeared in court charged with making a false rape claim. Last year, Princess Williams was charged with making a false claim and attempting to extort $10 million from her then-boyfriend. According to reports, her then-boyfriend told police that she threatened to make false claims that he raped her if he failed to pay her the sum of $10 million. An investigation was launched and Williams was subsequently arrested and charged. She was found guilty of extortion and handed a three-year jail term. Serves you right. You sit down and think about it. And I'm very um, sensitive about issues like this when it comes to false accusations against men because, yes, I have four boys. And I would never want to know that somebody is going to fall, put a false claim against them that is going to damage their reputation. No. 
princess serve you right and you're no they need to change your first name because that's not princess like behavior no sit down for the three years and think about your actions and the damaging i was going to say damning the damaging claims you have made against this young man you don't do that and any woman who is thinking of doing that to another man get a hold of yourself you what you're doing what can you hear me marlon hold on one second what you're doing is casting a shadow women who have truly gone through rape and abuse are already looked at sideways or already put in even more embarrassing situations to prove that the crime was committed against them and here you are with scant regard for those women who face the atrocities you don't do that go ahead marlon i do apologize no it's okay i've said only three years yeah she should have got more for that but that's all i was to say well yeah and more women need to face the same outcome when they make up false claims against people you don't do that wicked yeah she, she should get the amount of years that you would have gotten like if he was charged i agree with you and marlon james i agree she needs more time and yes you're right james let us sit down and think about the number of years he would have got all for 10 million dollars <sighs> reggae boys beat suriname 3-1 in nations league ravel or ravel morrison you know something let me say this you don't have to forgive me when it comes to pronouncing pronouncing names right different languages different dialects spellings all over the place i'm sorry um so i i struggle with names right um i don't know if it's ravel or ravel or ravel i don't know mr morrison scored a goal and i do apologize mr morrison for butchering your name please forgive me scored a goal and added an assist in leading jamaica to a 3-1 victory over suriname in group a of league a of the 2022-2023 CONCACAF nations league on tuesday night at the national stadium in kingston the game was in doubt following an ultimatum served by the players who indicated an unwillingness to play if jamaica football federation general secretary dalton wint did not resign the demand for wint's head followed saturday's away match against Suriname which ended in a one-all following the game the boys were left stranded in Suriname overnight after it became clear that flight arrangements back to Kingston had broken down the general secretary succumbed to the pressure and resigned on Monday night uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Mr. Wint there was no 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 round ticket purchases um how can you fly them out but not fly them back makes no sense to me this is a stupid and i'm sorry i can't put it lightly this is dumb as heck you are in charge of a team of getting them to another country another continent yes suriname is on the continent of south america uh, i know a little geography <laughs> You take them to 
another country. You get them there, and then you have them stranded because clear flight arrangements back to Kingston had broken down. How does that get broken down? Don't you see to it there's an itinerary? Somebody might that make sense to me. Can that make no that makes no damn sense to me. I'm sorry. You really don't deserve to be in that position. And, and, you know, it kind of speaks to what I'm finding out. A lot of people, and not I, I'm going to go off on a tangent just for a little bit. As, a, as an event planner, um, I get easily frustrated because I think a lot of things can be avoided if people plan. Not plan on the day of an event, not plan the day before an event, not plan two days before, but plan, sit down, see to it that procurement is in order, everyone who is contracted to do what they need to do is done, everything. If you're doing consignment for liquor, make sure that's on point. Decorations, make sure everything is on point. I'm a big stickler for certain things. Zero tolerance for certain things, quite frankly. Is the world perfect? No, it's not. You're going to have, you have to leave room for hiccups. You have to leave room for error. Right? You have to. A moment. Yes, O'Neill. And as somebody that does events, um, it's not about even leaving room forever. When you you have to have to have a plan A, plan B, plan C. You have to have a redundancy. So a, a a good planner is going to say, "I'm going to move from point A to point B," and they're going to look. They're going to map out the entire logistics of it. They're going to look for the possible things that could go wrong, and they're going to find solutions ahead of time. If this go wrong, this is what I trigger. So in most instances, when you say event looking perfect, it's because the planner, it's not because things are popping down in the, in the background. <laughs> it's because the planner had made a proper plan with mitigation for the errors mm -hmm. that it could really happen. So you're right. I always say to people, my thing is this. If two brothers fighting with a knife, two of them have two knives, they love each other, but they're going to fight on this given day. And one brother slipped. He never intended to stab his, his brother, but he slide and slipped, lost his footing, and his hand went with the knife into his other brother's heart, and he's dead. He could spend the rest of his life crying and showing all sorts of remorse. The reality is the action would have already been done, and your brother is dead. So I think when people are planning and being strategic about what you're doing in life, you must always think about the consequences and try to avoid it from happening in the first place. Yeah. So like what happened with the football team, that man obviously is just getting a fat cat salary and never give a damn. <laughs> that, I part. Eat the floor. <laughs> that part. Care a little bit about your job. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. But I think also, you know, even connected to the whole carnival debacle that's going on in different spaces, I think people are often tied you're focusing on the money and not the experience. That part. You see, when you focus on the experience, you think about the experience and how it's going to make people feel and not how, how your pocket is going to feel. And I think 
you know, when you're doing event planning, that's what it's supposed to be when you're really trying to create the feeling and the experience for the people. When you're not, it's going to show up differently. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So we have, um, in my opinion, courtesy of Nationwide Radio Jamaica, and this one comes to us posted by Rodney Campbell. Cutting crime, a citizen's role. Are you hearing me? Cutting crime. A citizen's role. So this one is an opinion um, piece, okay? And it, it's written by Rodney Campbell, and it's available on nationwideradiojm.com. And it reads, Jamaica will never see the desired reduction in murder rates or any other serious crime statistics if we keep relying on the Jamaica Constabulary Force to solve every case. It is even more disastrous to depend on the government to pop solutions out of a hat or legislate lawful behavior that keeps us in line. It is quite evident none of this has created a meaningful effect on how we interact daily, resolve issues, or seek alternatives to going for the jugular with jungle justice. The convenient political and social football used to explain away the lust for bloodshed is poverty. But there has never been a more dishonest narrative. The litany of lottery scamming and other criminal activities designed to make all players' pockets filled to overflowing has only resulted in major increases in criminality. The criminal network in Jamaica is heavily funded and an inability for criminals to make ends meet is the furthest thing from reality. The consistent cries of the people who crave support from society when members of their community are killed by police are in some ways warranted. But it seems to be a different case when innocent people are killed in their streets. How many times have we seen murders of children and the elderly and residents are tight-lipped? Should the security forces use the street talk of those who know and arrest suspects? This call for intelligence seems to come from many dunts to reality. It is the information gathered from the streets and confirmed that forms part of said reliable information gathering by the police. The bleeding hearts who use the poor as a beating horse to eliminate the possibility of taking known killers off the streets only serves to empower the criminals to have a field day building killing fields. However, Check very carefully the voices of the opposing orchestra and their addresses, agenda, and aim. They are not the affected ones in the crime-ridden areas, and they do not spend the majority of their free time planning wakes and funerals. As a matter of fact, they do not contend with days of unending gun battles, and their children are not traumatized daily trying to hear a teacher's instructions above the mental echo of gunfire. It is ironic that the most affected citizens keep calling for measures to curb crime, while the most unaffected keep telling them that what they actually need, which really doesn't work out for them at all. However, what remains blindingly true is the passive and somewhat participatory role played by residents in the most volatile communities across the country. The police cannot solve crimes by reading a crystal ball or constantly singing Kumbaya. 
It requires the willingness of residents to oust the demons, expose the beasts, and seek to slay the dragon of crime. The days of claiming the option of silence due to a lack of trust in the security forces are gone. Otherwise, be prepared to become a victim of the very game you play. And that was Cutting Crime, a Citizen's Role, posted by Rodney Campbell. Go right ahead, O'Neill. I know, and that's why I said, go ahead, O'Neill. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know you I'll too start, well. I'll start by saying one thing. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know, Rodney. Big up yourself, Rodney. But I'll say this, right? It's not a talking point that poverty is um, a big part of the crime. It is. It's, it's, it can't be a talking point because it is a reality. And... The fact that um, criminals are making money, that, that doesn't make them wealthy. That doesn't change their life from poverty. Poverty is not just having access to money. It, it, having access to money don't make you not poor. Because if you're in the informal economy, you could have many, and we've seen it day upon day, time upon time, if you're a drug dealer and you have a room full of money and you can't spend it and you can't use it meaningfully to elevate yourself out of the poverty cycle, then you're still poor. And then what's going to happen if there are other poor people and, and persons out there that, 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 that scarce benefits and wants? So the crime rate is me and you poor. Me find a way for the illicit activity and make some money. You don't make as much as me. Me kill you for your money. Can kill Abel. Jealousy. You know, it's an it's it's ecosystem that is caused by primarily poverty. And it's not just poor in wealth. It's poor in, in opportunities. It's poor in meaningful, livable wages. It's poor in... So, we... I can blame... I'm not blaming the... The, the police. The police themselves are not being paid. So they are also corrupt because right. they can be corrupted. Because if I come to you and you have 10 pitney and five baby mother and you actually look every girl in the community and you are earning $60,000 a month, that cannot even make you have, it's not livable wages for yourself. And I come to you and give an opportunity to make a million dollars. And all you have to do is close your eyes and turn your face the next way. I remember the days when I hear about drugs going through the airport and all the custom officer after do is turning back and just don't look at a suitcase and get a million dollars. The point is, poverty is what causes somebody to lose their conscience because you have to think between living mm -hmm. and dying. And it's not just living by not dying from a bullet, but it's living by how do you feed yourself or how do you feed your child and how you look at your child and say daddy i want to go to piano lessons and because jane over there going piano lessons or your child going to you try to send your child to a better school but she goes into a classroom where all the other kids can afford the parents maybe have a different level of this um, can afford to give that child a better lifestyle your child becomes the uncomfortable child in that room it, it it's a, it's, a it's, it's deeper than just the lip service that i just heard in that document a while ago i yield the floor thank you o'neill thank you so much so what do you say though about the the communities that hide those who are doing the killing 
What do you say I, about that? I say this moment. Um, and if, if, if I'm a Jamaican, I've lived in Jamaica, right? Most of us have, some of us have. I used to, at one point, my sister used to live in Franklin Town. So as, as a teenager, I used to go into Franklin Town, which is a semi-volatile community. It has remnants of that. One of the things we must all remember is that we all have brothers and sisters. So even when you're like a kid going, growing up and you have your brother who's a teeth out the sugar and get beaten for it, you never, you never ostracize him, you never kick him through the door, you never tell your father, say, you'll kill him. The point we need to understand is every one of these men who are criminal to somebody else is a brother or a son to somebody else. Um, means sometimes for these people justify an end. Because if you realize, if you have a, a son that is maybe doing, there are some mothers that's going to say to them, kid, don't do it. There are some mothers who's going to, when them look at the hunger and boy, you know, him never robbing at the community, him go to the next community to go rob. When I listen to some of the elders talk about what real bad man is and real bad man don't rob in them own area and them don't rape in them own area, but they go somewhere else to rape and people accept it. The, the, to get to the point he just made, I'm just saying, we have to understand that it's like a dog eat dog world and when these mothers, and I'm trying to think like how oh, these people maybe think, maybe. I don't know how exactly they think. <laughs> right, but right. Sometimes I think these mothers look upon the baby she put out and she warned him every day and she pray for him. Some of these mothers are Christians. They go to church every day and pray and ask God, can you stop my son from teething? But when she gives up her son to the police, it's, judicial, it's extrajudicial killing. The police is going to come, or oh, a long time I won't catch a boy. Boom, 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 boom. That's vigilante justice. When she gives him up and he goes to jail, he goes into the prison system, he comes out worse. There's no rehabilitation. He cannot come back into society. So, damn if you do, damn if you don't. If I'm a mother, I'm going to think about, all right, I give him up to the police, we're going to kill him. I snitch on him and him go to jail, he will come back worse, he will hate me, he will come kill more, 10 more people. He get charged, the justice system doesn't work, so he gets charged, he's on bail for seven years for a murder, he commits 10 more. Why am I going to give up my child or the person if there's no system out there to rehabilitate, to help, or to even make sure my son will come back to me a better person? Might as well go and keep my bad son alive, I'm just saying, yeah. there's different psychological thinking I think goes through these people's head. I don't they think as deep as I do, but I think when they look at the options that they have, what are really the options? Do we really have a... I hear the, I hear the Prime Minister get up the other day and say, oh, scammers, scammers. <laughs> I'm begging them to come in the formal economy. We need people. We need um, coders. So we're inviting them to become coders. Now, you're going to tell somebody who has nine CXE subject or a university degree to become a coder to work for a company that's going to pay you wages that are not livable wages. You still can't feed your family. You still can't buy a car for your mother. You still can't elevate the next generation. We have not found a way to, to, to have Jamaican people aspire and live in aspiration and hope that what they do today is going to have a better tomorrow. And if you don't have that, your the crime not getting finished. Yeah. I yield. Thank you so much, Anil. Wow. A lot of insight. Appreciate that. Really do. Different angles. And of course, you have lived there. 
all your life, right? So you know it, you see it. I've lived there. You see the news, you watch the news. And it really doesn't take a rocket scientist to come up with the different analogies and come up with solutions. But do they really want the solutions? That's another question, right? They want votes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, wow, time is going on me already. I can't believe this. Where is the day going? So um, the, remember the story yesterday, the Dominican Republic minister that was killed. Well, his friend confessed to a priest that, yes, he did it. And we're still waiting for more um, information on that, and that comes out of our Latin American corner. But we have another story, which seems to be something that is more prevalent now, or it's coming more to the forefront. An American woman dies after a butt lift surgery in the Dominican Republic. A New York City Department um, of Correction officer passed away after receiving plastic surgery at a clinic run by a controversial doctor in the Dominican Republic. According to the New York Daily News, Tandra Bowser-Williams jetted off to to the Dominican Republic on May 13 for a fat transfer Brazilian butt lift surgery under the knife of Dr. Hector Cabral at his Centro Internacional de Cirugia Plastica Avanzada Clinic in Santo Domenico. Man, that name is long. Just listen out for the name Dr. Hector Cabral. If you hear anybody saying they're going to him in the Dominican Republic, stop, don't go. Shortly after the procedure, the 49-year-old mother suffered a stroke. Bowser Williams' husband of 26 years, Curtis Williams. Okay, and that, I'm sorry, my internet just went out. Okay, I do apologize for that. I hope you all are still hearing me. But, um... Yeah, all I can say is let us try our best to deal with self-acceptance. We all want to fix things on us. Believe you me, I, I could go under the knife for a couple of things. But I am all, I'm, you know what scares me away from it? When I hear stories like these, the horror stories. And I'm not saying that um, it happens all the time, not saying that at all. But I'm scared stiff. And I'm like, you know what? However, I'm stay, I'm just going to have to stay that way and keep it moving. Oh, guess what happened to why I can't read the story? It, the screen went blank and it pops up. Norton blocked an attack coming from that site. And that was from loopnews.com. But, but moments. Yeah. Somebody loves you just the way you are. Ah, that part. But do you know what, O'Neill? <laughs> well, I'm not speaking for you. <laughs> But Anil, you know something? And I don't know if I'm the only woman who goes through this, and I'm sure I'm not. Other, And I, I let me say this emphatically. I am not, because that's why a lot of people go under the knife. Even though we have people who love us as we are, who embrace the changes, who has embraced the changes and said, you know something, whatever scars you have, those are warrior scars. You did something that I can't do. You brought it child into this world so you have changed life has happened this whatever right um 
even with the person loving us and looking at us and telling us, oh, you're still sexy, you're still beautiful. When we look in the mirror, that's not what we see. And what we see, we're looking for every fault. Okay, I could squeeze the nose here, lift the eyes here. The boobs need to be lifted up before this. I can throw them over my shoulders. Um, the stomach is pudgy. Uh, I'm tired of sucking in my stomach or wearing a girdle. We find every excuse under the book, under the sun as to why we need to have something done to us. But I, I think... Gonna, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead, Empress. Um, sorry, I, I think that comes from just socialization, to be honest, because for every person in your life that says you are beautiful, there has been, for a lot of women especially, this idea that you have to look a certain way, either through media or through other people who are telling that you need to you know, show up and present, and it's gotten even worse. Um, I always say <clears throat> men are some of the boldest people. I remember one time my friend and I were walking down the street, and this man in a wheelchair, you know, come up to us with no legs, and he was macking to us. <laughs> and I was, I was like, this dude really thinks that he can get either of us. You see what I'm saying? And he's not the only one. <clears throat> the audacity of some of these men who feel like they can just do and say because society isn't on them as much. You know, it's changing a little bit. But for some reason, we don't see um, our beauty. And I'm often in awe. So when I see a woman walking down the street and she is in her beauty and her power, I say, yes, queen. Yes, because I know how much it took to get there. You know what I mean? Because there's so much beauty, but we're not socialized often to think that. And you see it all over the place where you're like, how oh, your navel so high? How oh, you know, like, what are you doing to yourself? You don't believe that you are beautiful for who you are. So I think it's it's not just coming from nowhere. It's coming from, you know, from the beginning. You need to look this way. You have to present yourself. Those way. Only this way can you get a man. Only this, you know what I'm saying? So after a while, you start believing. You have, only this, you can't keep a man, you know? And men are often not socialized in that way. And so we have to really switch and realize our beauty in the stride, in our voice, in the way we nurture, in the way we mother. That is our power. Thank you. Uh, if I can just quickly add yes. to the point you just made. Um, the standard of beauty, beauty has changed over time. Because remember, growing up, the girl need to be she, she's not supposed to have on flesh remember there, there were girls that used to go to the, eat and go to the bathroom and and, and throw up trying to, to stay slim because slim was a standard of beauty you have to be a model you want to be a pulse model you have to be miss jamaica you have to have a certain figure you have to be a certain size and a lot of the time that size was was what in jamaica we call marker right <laughs> um, um the standard has changed and now Everybody is doing, you know, the white lady, the black lady, everybody is now doing. If you look at some of these women, when I look at some of these videos of women in Africa who naturally have the, the, the body that people are going to DR to get. And remember, we, we were told, I was told growing up, you, you thought that African women were ugly. They'll tell you that. They literally insinuate that into your mind, right? And all of a sudden, thick lips, um, you know, voluptuous body is it Jamaican men? I'll say this. I, you're right, Javed. We're the bravest. Um, we love our women, whether them 300 pounds or whether them 120 pounds. 
a Jamaican woman is going to find a man. A Jamaican man is going to be with a Jamaican woman, irrespective of obesity or any other thing that we may try to tag or label you trying to place on a woman. And again, it does come back to self-love. At some point, if we understand that each of us, we can't all be the same, all of us is not going to have Coca-Cola shape bottle. And some men don't want, I have a friend who don't date women who have Coca-Cola shape, after what we call maga. And that's him one. So there's a there's somebody as you can say there's a there's a there's a stick for every who. Yes. Trust me. It, it exists. I yield. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate your input, everyone. And we do have to take a quick break. <laughs> and it's more Tony Braxton. I say thank you to O'Neill for saying that for me, sir. Appreciate it. Big up yourself, Mahalan. Big up yourself. You know your ratings high in a Mahalan. Hi, hi, Oh my gosh, a little bit more from Tony Braxton. Hashtag WCW Woman Crush Wednesday Archie's for today. Empress, every whore have them tikka bush. <laughs> Cause you're 
this neither myself nor tony braxton is responsible for anyone picking up the phone and making a phone call not we, we can't hold us responsible okay and hold me to heart and javed i'm gonna get those songs over to you right after the show but something about her voice holds you there that's a moment i hope somebody will call my Somebody soon call you, Neil. Somebody will soon call you. Thank you to all our <laughs> listeners logged on to QMZRadio.com and JanoRadio.com and everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. I am Moments with me and you were listening to Coffee in Tow World News on the go every Monday through Friday starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern where I read the news and we share our views. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Me Media Moments. That's M I Media Moments. And also on Instagram, Moments with Me Media. Tomorrow we go live on Future FM 98.9 in the Bronx, Westchester, and Mount Vernon. Thank you all. Always great conversation, shared views, varying opinions, and interesting perspectives. Enjoy the rest of your day, folks. I'm sorry, um, Jano, forgive me for not using the outro today, but I, I couldn't put it over this beautiful Spanish guitar by Tony Braxton. So forgive me for that one, folks. But whatever you do, wherever you go, you know I do ask you to do this. Please be safe. See you all tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, right here on QMZRadio.com and JanoRadio.com.